0: So we're going to talk about that tonight. Let me tell you a few things that I've learned from scripture about disappointments. Just real quick to get us started in this thing. You will be disappointed in life. Often. You're going to be disappointed in life a lot. He said, well, thanks for telling me that. I didn't need to tell you that. You knew that. And you're going to be disappointed by three things in life. Number one, you're going to be disappointed by people. People are going to let you down. People are going to shock you sometimes. And what people do is going to leave you disappointed. Secondly, you're going to be disappointed by your circumstances. Uh, There's going to be these, uh, I love the way a pastor from California, he said, there are going to be bends in the road that are going to disappoint you. Things are just going to happen that are going to disappoint you. I'm on the phone last night with a young man who, he had it all. I mean, he had everything. He was young. He's young. He, had a, he married his sweetheart. She's beautiful. They finished their educations. Both of them got graduate degrees. Great jobs. Two beautiful little baby boys. I mean they were set to live their lives and one phone call that had the word cancer in it. Changed everything. And his wife just found out she's got cancer. You talk about a, a bend in the road that you didn't plan on that leaves you so disappointed and circumstances of life just physical, financial, things are going to happen that will just leave you disappointed. Number three, you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to be disappointed in yourself. I don't, know, I don't know anybody that hadn't just stunned themselves. So You're going to be disappointed in yourself. You're going to be disappointed in life. Now, <clears throat> one of the worst words you can ever use is the word why. For this reason, you're not going to get an answer. Why is the wrong word? But let me do just from scripture, do about one minute of why we have disappointments in life. Here it is. We live in a fallen world. You live in a fallen world by humanity's choice. It's a broken world. And there's three things that go on in this fallen world. There is a God, little G, who is evil and he's active in this earth. And you will be, we we don't recognize him in this land. We scoff at that notion. He's calling the shots in a lot of places. But as long as that And let me just give you one verse on this. This is from the book of Revelation. And this is a revelation. Woe and difficulty to those who live on the earth because Satan has been thrown down to you and he is angry knowing that he only has a short time left and he's active in the earth. So much of the stuff that goes on in our land, the division, the hatred, we love to point at other people. They're just the vessels. The evil one is the actual author in the earth. So he's in the earth. Number two, there's messed up people on this planet. Y'all, you didn't know that? There are messed up people on this planet and they'll, they'll make your life a disappointment. And then thirdly, <clears throat> well-meaning people are going to make mistakes. Well-meaning people are going to do things and you're going to be disappointed by what comes out of it. And as long as you got those three factors in a fallen earth, you're going to be dealing with disappointment. It's just going to happen in life. And uh, that's, you know, there's your whole theology on the why. Number three, now listen to this from scripture. This is the the lesson tonight. You will learn to master disappointment or it will master you. You will learn to harness and handle disappointment or it'll handle you. I I know people who have been through awful things, but it did not own them when it was said and done. I know other folks who've been through some things not near as bad as that, and it ruined their lives. You will master your disappointments, or they will master you in the, long, in the end. And, and if your disappointments master you, you're gonna be a person that grows old, and bitter, and resentful, and you're gonna live in a hopeless state. I, w- I was stunned, I saw a plaque not long ago, and it said, don't ever expect anything good, that way you'll never be disappointed. That's true. That's dumb. <laughs> That's a fatalistic view of life. And how many people do I know that have gotten there? Or they just sort of, well, I'm not going to expect much, that I don't want to ever be hurt. Listen to me, listen to me. Great things happening and great disappointments go hand in hand. And you're not going to have one without the other. And you can lock yourself in the house and hope nothing bad happens, and nothing will happen. They go together. They're going to go together. You've got to learn to master it. And, you, and let me tell you something. If disappointment's on you, you're going to end up wasting your life. You're going to miss what you're created for. Number four, there was the believer's goal. A person who follows Jesus, really follows Jesus, their goal is not to survive in disappointments. Their goal is to shine in disappointment. Their goal is to thrive because <clears throat> I have something other people don't have. And my disappointments, I don't care if somebody else did it to me. I did it to myself. Things happen. I've got something called the God factor. And you factor God in disappointments. We should not just survive and get through them. We should thrive through our disappointments. And that's what this this passage is about tonight. It's about thriving through disappointments. Now, let's look in the word. And, and again, this is, this is, remember the Bible is God speaking to you and teaching you things. And he's going to teach you some great things about, tell me how to handle my disappointments. And again, this is my beloved brother, Paul. Uh, he's in prison. He's writing this from prison. His life has not been easy. Personally, I know no person that has suffered like he has to be here. And tonight, he's, we're looking in the scriptures. He's dealing with the disappointment of being betrayed by the people dearest to him. Anybody ever been betrayed? Well, he's dealing with the disappointment of being betrayed. And you can see how he handles it in this little text. And remember, this is not just his biography. This is God showing you when things happen to you, do this. And see how good it comes out. This is one of the most amazing passages. In his letter, he writes in Philippians chapter one, beginning in verse 12. Philippians 1, 12. I want you to know, brethren... Philippians 1 12. Let's read these words carefully. I want you to know brethren that the things which happened to me, just pause right there. Look at those words. The things that happened to me. How many of you ever had anything happen to you? And the things that happened to him were not good. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. And he's going to tell you something worse than that, that he's fixing to say has happened to me. But he's talking about, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me, let's read, have actually turned out. Look at the words turned out. So what you got is this is what happened to me. Here's how it turned out. Have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You can say it this way. The terrible things that happened to me have actually turned out for the good. So yes, he was disappointed, but it came out for good. The things that happened to me have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard now he is in, he's in the Mamertine prison in Rome and he's in the, he's in the palace. He's in the prison and they're guarding him, even the palace guard and all the rest That my chains are in Christ. He said, I'm, I'm in chain, I'm in prison. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He said, look that. he said, they, they arrested me. They put me in prison for preaching the gospel. Satan ultimately was behind this. I'll lock him up so he won't preach anymore. And his chains have caused, and his suffering have actually exploded the gospel. You sit and say amen in this comfortable room. You do it. You go do it. You say, fine, lock me up in prison. Chain me to the wall in this place so that other folks can be helped. But he said, what happened to me is they chained me, but the brethren have taken off in my place. Verse 14, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife. They're jealous of me. They're they're angry. The others, the scripture says, some also from goodwill. What's going on here? What does it mean some? Who who is this some? If you're in the preceding verse, we're talking about the brethren. Do You understand this man, this man right here, will affect eternity more than any other human being that ever lived. There's no human being that'll have an effect, an impact on eternity like this man. And he, has, he, he is the man that God chose to explode the salvation of the world across the globe. And he, he took this message. He, he trained preachers. He planted churches. And the brethren, he's talking about these churches, these, these young pastors that he's trained, and something has happened while he's in prison a bunch of them have turned against him and they're envious of his position. And now instead of loving the man that poured his life out for them, they're lying about him. And you can read it, they're lying about him. They're saying he's a deceiver. They're destroying his churches. And so he says, he said, I got, I got, all my boys are preaching. Some are doing it out of goodwill. Some are envious of me and they're preaching. Strife means they're tearing the place up. And I'm stuck here in this prison and this stuff's happening to me. It's got to be disappointing. The former, verse 16, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. They're just trying to hurt me. Ever anybody purposely try to hurt you? Ever anybody tell lies about you? Slander you? I mean, nothing to gain for them except the sick pleasure of just hurting you. And he said, the only reason they're out there preaching is they are trying to hurt me in my chains. They're trying to add affliction to my chains. And They're preaching out of envy and strife. Not that they care about people. He said, though I've got some, out of love. Verse 17, the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Maybe my two favorite words in the Bible, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. In this I rejoice and I will rejoice. Got a man whose life has been upended. He's been arrested for doing the right thing. People are slandering him. They're lying about him. His churches are being torn up. And how does he end this thing? Praise God. I'm rejoicing. I'm I'm just celebrating. So what you have here is a man who goes through bitter disappointment like few of us ever have. And I want you to notice in this passage, you'll see through this whole book. His disappointments have not affected him at all. He's not bitter. He's not angry. He's celebrating. He's just, he's just, his disappoint, he has risen above his disappointments. They don't hold him. He owns them. And and obviously this is not just a biography. The Bible is God speaking to me and you and helping us in some things. So let's let's learn from this. I'm going to give you some keys from this scripture of dealing with the disappointment you'll have. And say, in, case you're, in case you're one of those people and you're saying, Well, I well I've had some disappointments, but I think all that's behind me now. <laughs> you still breathing? They're still coming. Let's learn. One of the key words in this book, now remember Philippians is the book of God's best. It's the book of the best life you can live on this planet. Has nothing to do with money because he had not got any. Has nothing to do with position. He's lost his. It has all to do with what God's doing in your life. And let me tell you, one of the key words in this book is the word learned. Learned. And matter of fact, he said in this book, I have learned no matter what's going on in my life to be content." Boy, wouldn't that be something great to learn? Nothing can happen to me that can upset me. Nothing can rock my world that I can't stay content. Listen, that's not natural for us. That's not natural. What do you say? I've learned how to do this. I've learned in whatever condition I am to live a content, peaceful, great life. Well, then let's learn. I I think the days we're living in and the days that are coming in this land, we better learn this. We need to learn how not to let the things that are going on around us rock us on the inside. And how to stay in a place of contentment and grace. And uh, several keys. Number one, if you're going to live above disappointments, you to have to learn how to believe God's word. You have to start believing what the man says. I want to point you back to a great truth. In verse 13, 12, we read this. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What did he say? These people tried to hurt me. I've been arrested. This is not what I planned on but good things have come out of it. This points us back to the great verse that every believer's got to memorize and wrestle with. Matter of fact, let's just turn and look at it. We're close. Same man wrote it. I want you to turn with Romans Romans chapter eight. <clears throat> I believe that Romans chapter eight, there's one verse. <clears throat> and if you, can, if you can receive and believe one verse in Romans eight, it'll alter the course of your life. I don't think anything can ever happen to you again that can rock your world. If you can just accept one verse and this is that great verse and it's really, it's, it's, uh, capped with three verses, but we're going to read one. And this is a word from God, Romans 8, 28, that says this, we know, listen to me, we don't wish, we don't think you've got to know this. We know all things work together for good. It's conditional to those who love God and will be called according to his purpose. It's not the best translation. Let me read it to you straight from the language it was written in. We know that God works and causes all things to ultimately work together for good because I love Him and I'm in His purpose. What if that verse were true? What if nothing could ever happen in your life that He wouldn't work and take that thing to ultimately work out for good? Do you understand how that... Really, if this verse is true... If this word from God is true, you could never be disappointed again for the rest of your life. No matter what happened to you, you'd just say, well, I don't like it. I didn't want it. I wouldn't have it this way. But God is in this thing. And God is going to cause this mess to work out for good. Because I love him and I'm in his purpose. Romans 8.28 is the game-changing verse for every believer's life. You can believe God loves you, that won't help you with your disappointments. You can believe that he's on the throne, that don't help you any. But when you believe that his promise of Romans 8.28 is true, where you know, you understand what no there's a big difference in no and hope. Hope means maybe. No means it's gonna happen. I know, we know that God is working. How many believe God's working? Somebody should write a song that goes, even when I can't feel him, <laughs> he's working. It, listen, you have got to start believing this book. Then everything in life rises and falls on believing what God says, that's called faith. And one of the great verses also is in Philippians 1, 6. It says this, he who began a good work, will be faithful to complete it. But I want you to listen to this one. God is working, period, in you to will and work for his good pleasure. You, I, you saw. I hadn't heard his voice in months. I hadn't felt him in months. So you can believe he's working. And I want you to memorize Romans 8:28. 28. Was hearing a verse and believing it is not what changes your life. Eating it till it gets inside of you. That's what changes your life. That's why we have to meditate that law day and night to be life-changing. But I'm going to tell you something. What if this verse were true? What if this really applied to you and me? And we believe that I don't like this junk going on around me. This is not what I planned on. This is not what I asked for. But I know that God's in this. And He's working. And I will see good come out of this. I don't want you to turn back with me to Philippians. Now remember Romans 8, 28. Need to memorize that one. And we need to get it down inside of us. How many of you think that, uh, how many of you think the man's big enough? I may even think he's big enough. I may even think he cares enough. Would you do it for your children? I would. I'm gonna tell you he can do this. That's why he said in verse twelve, I want you to know, brethren, the awful, terrible things that happened to me has actually come out for good. Because that's what he does. And you've got to believe God's word. Number two, you've got to believe that God is good. I am stunned. I just thought somebody was talking about that and I said, I have got to start preaching this more often. These are Christians. These are the people of God who don't think that he's good. Let me make an announcement. God don't give people disease. God doesn't bankrupt people. God doesn't kill people's children. Why do we say these crazy things like, well, we don't know what he's doing. I do. Buy you a Bible. He is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. He is good. We, we got to lay hold of Jeremiah 29, 11 when God Almighty, listen, let him speak for himself. Quit listening to the crazy theologians. Listen to the Bible. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for evil. He don't do evil. Right. To give you a future and a hope. And, and we've got to believe, well, maybe the Lord will teach me something through this. Buy you a Bible, let him teach you through the Bible. Why do we let this junk get on us that all these terrible things are happening and we just want to receive it and say, well, maybe God's doing this. He is good and he does good. <clears throat> all right. You got to believe that God is good. How many of know the difference between good and bad? Okay. This, this ain't hard. God is good. Number three. I right, listen to me. You've got to believe that God can see things you can't see. Especially down the road. I don't even know what the weather's going to be tomorrow. There was, you've got to believe that he who wrote the book of Revelation knows the end yeah. of your life. And, and when things happen that disappoint you, you've got to believe that he's in it. And he can see the bad things coming down the road. And sometimes we get so disappointed. I, I remember I wanted to pastor a church one time and it would have been a they, they called me. They came and talked to me. It had just been the ideal situation. It had been great. And 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 everything was going great in the last minute because they called and said, we've changed our mind. I was so bitterly disappointed. I remember being so disappointed. I didn't, I didn't fuss at him. I don't fuss at him. I, I know he's good. But I was so disappointed. And I thought, you know what I said? I said, crap. This is Hebrew for I'm disappointed. I was just so God, why didn't this come to pass? You know the end of my story, don't you? Down the road, that sign that said East Baptist Church. Oh, I looked underneath it. You know what it said underneath it? Hell number nine. (laughs) And when it was all said and done, I was praising his name for protecting me from going into that place. How many have ever had that happen to you? We got to believe he can see things down the road we can't see. And sometimes our disappointment Dr. J.L. Williams used to say this, and it is true. It, the Bible supports this. <clears throat> Oftentimes our disappointments are God's divine appointments in his kindness. It hurts now, but that is the kindness of God sometimes. He can see bad things coming down the road you can't see, and he cares about you. Let me tell you what he can see. He can see good things coming down the road. He can see good coming down the road. He'd drug me into things, kicking and screaming. The only reason I went, because I was scared of him. <laughs> I can talk to him like that. And man, I got down the road and I was, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He can see things down the road. And what is our disappointment may be his divine appointment. And he's not obligated to explain everything on the bus getting there. And you just got to say that. I maybe believe, really believe he sees things we can't. Of course he does. Number four. Um, well, I'll tell you what let's do. <clears throat> I had to believe that. All right. This is, this is why these are my two favorite words in the Bible. Here we go. When you're in disappointments, you got to learn to let it go. Just let it go. Let me show you something. These are my two favorite words. He, he tell, He says, everything's worked together for good. He says, I am in prison. The young men that I poured my life into, I'm their father. They're stabbing me in the back. Now they've turned against me. They're destroying my churches. And I want you to look at his response to all this. It's in verse 18. <clears throat> and the two words, here's how he responds to the disappointments in his life. He says, what then? Now the words are tie in Greek and they are hard to translate into English. Let me give you a, a translation you can understand. Who gives a rip? I don't care. So what? That, that's his response to all these bad things happening. He just says, I don't care. So what What then? That's why these are my two favorite words in the Bible. Who gives a rip? And he he says, so what? What You hear hear a man there who said, I'm I'm not going to fight this. I'm not going to raise Cain about it. I'm not going to kick back against it. You know what what I hear right? You know what the words what then mean? I am going to trust him with the outcome. Not going to call him a lawyer? All right, let me help you with the disappointments. If, If you are one of them people that would be labeled a control freak, In control freaks here tonight. I am a card carrying 100% certified control freak. And worse than that, I'm a perfectionist too. It's got to be right. Every blade has to be cut at the same height. The sheets have to be square. I mean, if, it, if it's just one-tenth of one degree off, throw it in the garbage. I, that's a perfectionist control freak is due for medication. If you're a control freak like me and, you, and, you're, and you're a perfectionist, put it right there. You are in for one sad life on this planet. <laughs> you are doomed to a life of disappointment because this is a twisted, off-center, broken, fallen world and it's messed up. And people are messy. And if you're a control freak or a perfectionist, do not go into a business that deals with people. You need to be a finished carpenter, (laughs) a finished carpenter. You might make it there, but if you're dealing with people and especially if your job deals with messed up people, you better not go into it. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. I have learned, I have learned in whatever happens to me to get off of it and be content. And let me tell you what you'll, if you want to live disappointed, if you want to live disappointed a lot in your life, just say these two words, my way, it's got to be my way. It's got to be the way I want it. But if you want to live a life of peace, you've got to learn to say, what then? I will be done your way, not my way. Your will be done. Quit fighting everything you don't like one day Jesus himself spoke to this great apostle and he said to him how long are you going to kick against the pricks why are you going to kick and raise Cain every time something goes the way you don't want it to be and you know what kicking against the pricks is don't you the, uh, you had an ox you, you plowed with him the, the, uh, uh, guy, the farmer he would have a long pole it had a pointed stick on it if the ox drug he'd poke it in the behind that was the prick back then that's how you Plow. I said, good. I, I think you'd work with people that way. He'd poke them <laughs> in the rear end. Well, if the ox was really belligerent just a bullheaded ox, bullheaded ox, and what he, he didn't want it. he would kick back at the prick. And that's why Jesus said to Paul, how long will you kick against the pricks? How long are you going to keep fighting things you don't like? Now, I'm not talking about fighting for justice or I'm just talking about this. everything's got to go the way I want. How long are you going to keep kicking against that? Listen to, here's two words for you. What then? Turn it loose. Just sad. I wouldn't be supposed to be alive by now. Just glad to have something to eat. That's a, listen, you got to learn that. I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. If everybody in my church personally, if everybody in my church doesn't behave perfect, I'm getting to where it doesn't bother me It's bad. <laughs> you, don't know, you know what a real victory is? If I'm not perfect after this long, that doesn't bother me near as bad either. I'm getting over myself. All right, number five. You've got to align your goals with His goals. You know why He could say, I don't care. I Lie about me. I don't care. Lock me up. Take my stuff. All I want is God's will for my life. There's a place called perfect peace when you align your goals with His goals and you'll let Him get you there any way He wants to. Mm. I told you about having to get married and not wanting to marry a religious woman. Mm-hmm. I wanted a real woman. I wanted a good looking woman that didn't play the organ and liked to kiss. <laughs> is that asking too much in life? And I knew me being going to be a preacher. I knew I was probably going to get a preacher's wife. Well, I, just, I said, I'll just go Catholic and be single is what I'll do. <laughs> I want a preacher's wife with a bouffant cat eye glasses. I don't want that. But I, I, I knew that somewhere along the way, I was going to have to say Thy will be done. And my whole life has been surrender, <laughs> surrender. And you know that, you know, the end of the story, I didn't get a preacher's wife. I got a real one <laughs> and I love her dearly. I've been, i just been blessed. You're just going to have to align your goals with his. Number six from this scripture right here, from the whole book, you beware of unbelief during disappointment. Do not go into unbelief when you're disappointed. Now, there's some things you can do when you're disappointed that are okay with him. It is okay to be in dismay. It's okay to be shocked. It's okay to be stunned when something happens and stay there for a while. Not forever. But there's a time to mourn. everything, there's a season. There's a time to just cry your eyes out. And there's nothing wrong with being hurt. There's nothing wrong with being dismayed. But you better not get into unbelief. Unbelief says, God has left me. Unbelief said, God doesn't see this. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm, I'm wounded. I'm hurt. And let me tell you something else. There's nothing wrong with being angry. Other people say we shouldn't be angry. Who said that? that the Bible doesn't say that. Listen to Ephesians 4:27. Be angry, but do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. What does that tell you? It's okay to be angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry at people or angry with situations or being mad when you get disappointed. There's something wrong with staying there. Let me tell you, you get one day's anger. <laughs> Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let, but don't go into it in day two. You, we can't control our emotions much. One of the great victories in life is when you start, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to quit acting like I feel. There's nothing wrong with being angry. There's nothing wrong with being hurt. There's something wrong with staying there. Oh, one of the great, great verses uh, teachings in the Bible. I love that a lot of people can't handle this verse. I love it. Some people think it's too hard on people. If it's in the Bible, it's, it's there for us. But one of the greatest disappointments was suffered by a man named Samuel. And Samuel, you got to understand back in Old Testament Israel, you had two people that God appointed. One was the king, one was the prophet. And they worked together to take care of the nation as people. And God appointed the king, he appointed the prophet. The king ran the civil side of things. The prophet ran the faith side of things and that the two were yoked. And Samuel was the prophet appointed over Israel in those days for years. He was a great man, did a great job. Saul was the king that God appointed. Saul was gifted, He he was powerful. But Saul and Samuel poured his life into him for years, trying to help him, mentoring him, loving him, praying over him. And finally, it just reaches a point to where Saul just failed. And God just said, I, I'm done with him. He, he won't even try to follow me anymore. There's nothing wrong with struggling. There's something wrong with not wanting to do right. And, and Saul was removed as king. And Samuel was so disappointed that the man he'd mentored and poured his life into had been removed and his world had collapsed. And the Bible said that Samuel, listen to what the Bible said. Last verse of 1 Samuel 15, I mean, 1 Kings 15, it said, and Samuel wept all night long. You ever been so disappointed you you were still crying when the sun came up the next morning? Now, I've been disappointed, but I've never done that before. And he was so bitterly disappointed that he just wept and God just let him cry. For a period of time. But I'm going to give you the great verse that I love. I've looked back many times. And the Holy Spirit has spoken this verse to me. It's the next verse. It's, it's 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 1. And God came. He let him weep all night long. And then he came to him. Listen to what he said. How long will you mourn over Saul? Get up. Go. Fill your horn with oil. I have found myself a new king. Well, what a message from God right there when you're in disappointment. There's a time to cry. There's a time to feel the pain. But there's also a time when God says to you, we can't let this go on forever. How long are you going to cry? How long will you mourn over this? Get up. And one of the the great things you do when you face disappointment is give yourself a little bit of time to hurt and bleed. But there comes a time when you've got to say, it's time to get up and move on. Matter of fact, one of the great verses is in the book of Philippians again. And if you want a great life, you've got to learn how to do what it says. I, I, this is such a, this is a simple, short verse, but it could, you could speak volumes of life into it. And it says this, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I love that verse. And, and it, you, know what he, you know what he says, when you're in disappointment, turn around. Quit looking at what's behind you and turn. And I love these words, reaching forward to listen to what God Almighty says. Those things that are ahead. There's something else out there. I don't know what it is, but I know he's good. And if I'm disappointed here, that hurts. There comes a time to forget that stuff and turn around and say, there's something better out there. Let me, all right, let me go deep here with you. In that same verse, forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what's head. Let me make an announcement from scripture. You cannot go forward looking backward. And how many people died right there? They got, they went through deep disappointment and the rest of their lives were spent right there. And they spent their lives bitter looking back and they died right there on the spot. And instead of doing what the Bible says, there comes time to forget that. And let's reach forward to it. You say, well, I'm hurting. I know that. I know. That's what do you think disappointment does to you? Of course it hurts. But there comes a place in spite of the pain where you've got to say, there is something else out there. And I'm going to get up. I'm, even if I disappoint myself, every come a day. Listen, I, I'm rough on myself. I've had people say, Well, Brother Brian, you need to treat people the way you want to be treated. I said, No, I don't. It'd kill them. <laughs> It'd kill people if I talked to you the way I talked to me. I, I just happen to like it. I, I just say this is good for you. And I mean, I beat the tar out of myself when I miss it. But boy, when the sun comes up the next day, I said, now that's it. We've had enough beating, get up and let's go. You'll never find what he's planned wallowing in what happened yesterday. And that's why I love that verse in 1 Samuel. I can't, it's in in there. Just look it up, trust me. 1 Kings 1 Samuel 16, where he said this, how long are you going to do this? Get up and go on. And here's the great goodness of God. If you'll get up, I've got something else out here. I have found myself a king. And, and listen to this, listen to this. What he lost in his disappointment wasn't near as good as what God took him to. David was a much greater king than Saul ever thought about being. You'd be surprised at the disappointments <laughs> where we just think life is over. And, and later you look back and say, no, it wasn't. That, that wasn't even, I don't even remember that now for this. Just to get him going. Now I just heard somebody saying here, well, I'm too old for it. What did God tell a broken, failed felon at 80 years old who had ruined his life with his mistakes? What did he say to him? Come with me. You're just fixing to start your life. And at 80 years old, a felon named Moses who was hiding from the government went back and delivered a whole nation. Age is never a factor with him. If you're breathing, it's time to get up. And uh, you uh, Just don't stay trapped in your mess. All right, let me say this. When you grow to this place in life to where you can do what the scripture teaches you and me here, when you reach a place to where you you just know I'm going to be disappointed, people are going to let me down, I'm going to fail, crap's going to happen, stuff's going to happen, stuff happens, stuff's going to happen. When you reach a place where you say, I know that, but it's not going to knock me down and I'm not going to stay down. And I have learned... I have learned to rejoice in the Lord on them days when everything's going like I want it to and to rejoice in Him when everything goes crazy and to trust Him when when the sun's shining and trust Him when they're stabbing me in the back. I have learned to praise God no matter what, not because of the stuff. The Bible didn't say rejoice in the crap always. Probably gonna get in trouble for using that word tonight. The Bible didn't say rejoice in the disappointments. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And no matter what goes on in my life, I have learned you can lift up your eyes. And when you reach a place where you and listen, this is a learned thing. You got to practice this. This is not natural. It's natural for us to want to crawl in our hole and pull in the door and close the door and pull ourselves in behind us and just stay there and bleed. That's natural. You got to learn how to say there is a God in heaven. He knows my name and he's working and he will get me to something good here. And once you get to that place in life where disappointments don't rock, where you just say, so what? I don't care. I'm hurting, let's go. When you get to that place, you're going to have a life of peace. Instead of waiting on things to be peaceful, you have peace on the inside. This man's world was a mess on the outside. He's a perfect peace on the inside. Number two, you're going to be confident. You're going to live a life of confidence. You're not going to tiptoe around hoping things go well. You're going to know God is driving my boat. I don't care if the waters get rough. I don't care if if, though none go with me, still I will follow. A place of confidence. And then third, you will always have hope. You can't lose hope when you learn how to live like this. I mean, you can just, you can go through everything around, you can collapse and you just go, praise God, something good's coming. Because you know, that if you really believe that God is working to cause all things there. Now listen, let me give you one of the great verses in this. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, weeping. Remember, there's a time to weep. People say, you should always be upbeat. You should never weep. Then why does the Bible say there is a season to weep? Why does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 12 for believers, weep with people who weep? There's a time for that. There's a time to say, God, man, this is terrible. There's a time to say that. But Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, weeping may last for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. There's nothing wrong with weeping for a night. There's something wrong with weeping day after day after day for the rest of your life. And how many people, are did, how many people wept for a night and have not found joy in the morning? That's the God factor in everything. <laughs> I just want you to get to the place to where you just take the club out of your enemy's hand and say, it don't matter. If God be for me, who can be against me? Here we go. I'll eat the disappointments and then I'll get up the next day and brush my britches off and say, moving on to those things that are ahead. Let me give you one more verse that I love. Let me just quote it to you. It is the uh, it's the only place in the Bible the word disappoint's found. And that's in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, where the Bible says this: hope does not disappoint. How, how can you reach a place where you, you just don't get disappointed? You're gonna have disappointing things happen, they're gonna sting you. But Romans 5, 5 says this, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. My children, now my kids got it. Once the kids get 18, I don't know if you knew this or not. I probably shouldn't tell some of you this. But state law in North Carolina, once your child turns 18, you don't owe them a dime. As I said, I probably shouldn't tell some of you that. But after 18, you don't have to pay anything. If you're up till 18, you have to feed them, house them, educate them. You're responsible for them financially. But after 18, on the day they turn 18, they're theirs. It's on them. You don't owe them a dime. And so the day my children turned 18, <laughs> I didn't say to them, that's it. Don't ever come back here again. <laughs> on the day they turned 18, it's not a law with me. The day they turned 18, I told them, said, I never owe you another dime. But I'm your daddy. And I'll always love you. And as long as I got a home, you'll have a home long as I got something to eat, you'll have something to eat. And my children have never doubted the sacrifice I'd make for them. That's not a law. That's love. That's why hope never disappoints because the love of God has been put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I, don't, I know that legally I belong in hell. I don't live under the law. I live under the love of God. I, I look forward to the, what's out there, not because I've earned it, but because he is good. And that's why it says hope will, hope will never disappoint you because of the love of God. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've seen a record. I like that song they sang about turning graves into good stuff and, and bones. And I just, I've seen his record. He just picks people up out of a mess. If they'll just look up and say, I trust you. I'm looking up. He'll grab them up and just go, there it is. This is the greatest place in the world to live. Isn't that a great place of turnaround? All righty i just give you that tonight just in case you ever have anything disappointing happen in your life. The, the great tragedy of a nation that has given God Almighty the finger is disappointment because I don't care what you think about how smart we are. We are not smart enough to build great lives apart from the one who created life and we're paying the price for it right now. And I believe our nation's gonna suffer. I think we're going to suffer. But I'm gonna tell you something. I don't live under the same rules as a nation who's put their fist in God's face because I have bowed my knee before him. And I'm gonna have the God factor in everything that goes on in life. Therefore, bless God, (laughs) I know, I I don't think I just, I'm going to sleep because I know that he is going to cause everything in my life to work together for good. And when the storms come and the disappointments come and idiotic things happen, I'm just going to go, crap. <laughs> but when that sun rises the next morning, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to say, watch the goodness of God. It might last for a night. I know it will. I don't care. Joy is coming in the morning. Unless you can kill God, it's <laughs> not a stupid something or other unless you can kill God, you can't steal hope from me. And that ain't going to happen. I'm going to pray over you and then we're going to do a little something else. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Our, our land right now is caught in the crux of dimming hope, pain, setbacks. We've got our group setbacks and then individuals are getting, they've got their own personal pain. I praise you that you are a father. You, you, never, you never promised me I would not see disappointment. But you did promise me that you would rule in my life and that you would cause all things, the disappointing things, the things I don't understand, the painful things, your hand would come on them and you would cause them to work together for good. And long as you're still alive and your promise is still in effect, so what? What then? About stuff that happens... I will rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I pray for every person in this room. More than we need a perfect life, we need a perfect God watching over us. More than we need for everything to go our way like a bunch of control freaks, we need to know that God's hand is on this deal. And more than we need control, we need trust in you. And I I know you from your word and from personal experience, you set this stuff up sometimes to cause us so that you're the only place we can turn so you can show us how good we are. I trust you for that. I pray for every person in this room. That's, everybody in this room is in one of three places. They're either coming out of their last disappointment right in the middle of one or headed for the next one. <laughs> Praise be to God, who is the same no matter what's going on. And I thank you that we don't have to worry about our world being rocked because God is on his throne and loves me. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.